tonight, uh, as a church, we get to participate in one of the most important events in the life of not just our church, but the life of any church. When you study the early church in the book of Acts and in the Pauline epistles, you see that God gives the church many gifts. Of course, the first gift and the greatest gift he gives them is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he gives them power and he gives them ability and he gives them boldness uh, through the gift of the Holy Spirit to go preach the word of God. Uh, but one of the greatest gifts that he gives to the church itself is the gift of the deacon. Uh, I know a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, they, we like to make fun of deacons. We like to pick on them and, and use them as punchlines. They're a lot like mother-in-laws. Uh, you love them, but you got to deal with them. But no, uh, we, we, the, the church was, the deacons were a gift that God gave to the church. It's one of the only two offices ordained by God for the ministry of the local church. Now, this gift... Uh, the reason that this gift came about was because the first church, there was so much growth, there was so much activity that the apostles who were acting as the pastors, they weren't able to take care of the church, they weren't able to shepherd the flock that God gave them properly. So God gave them deacons to help with this. So look in your Bibles in Acts chapter 6, starting in verse number 1. The Bible said, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily menstruation. Then the twelve, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So during this time, the early church had a lot of physical needs that were not being met because of the sheer size of the congregation. During this time, if you study the book of Acts, as, as people were coming to Christ, as they were coming into a relationship with Jesus, they, they saw the need of not just their family, but the entire community and the community of believers, and it was physical needs. They understood that there were people in their, in their, in their community, in their church, that weren't as well off as them, that didn't have as much as them, or some of them were very well uh, to do. They had enough food, more than enough, and there were some who were struggling. So they would come together, and they, were, they would give of themselves. This was the first tithes and offerings. They would come each week and they would give of themselves. Now, they didn't tithe in checks and cash and they didn't give online. They didn't text to give. They, they brought what they had. And they would, some of them had money, but a lot of them had food or they had bread or they had some livestock or some vegetables. They would bring that to the church and they would use that to help the other members in the church, the other people in the community who had needs. Well, every day, the apostle would go out and they would find out the look uh, visit the church people and they would visit the members and they would visit the disciples and they would see who had a need and they would help them meet that need but because the growth of the church was so incredible because there were so many people coming to Christ the disciples the apostles weren't able to get to everyone and there were one group of people who felt they were being neglected who felt they weren't being taken care of, and they thought it was for other reasons, but the pure reason of it was the apostles were not able to get to them. So to help minister to the people, 
to help help to help get to the, the reach the needs of the people and fulfill the needs of the people and help minister and grow the church. The uh, they chose seven men. The Bible says were full of the Holy Ghost and faith to help in this area. Now the word deacon it comes from the Greek word dikanos and it literally means servant. It's it, you know we, we think of a deacon it's well they they help with the business they you know they write the checks or they help make the decisions of the church or they help make some financial decisions they help decide what's going to go what and we think of a deacon as someone who helps manage the church and today that is one of the things that our culture uses deacons for and there there's a need for that and there's a there's a use for that but in their culture in the culture of the first church they didn't have a church building. See, we, we do church today completely different than they did in the first century. You know, we talk about the first century church, the, the first church at Jerusalem. We like to think of, well, every Sunday morning they went down to the church and had a big steeple on top of it. They met, no, no, no. They, they, they actually met every day in different people's houses. So, you know, some of us, we get tired. Man, got to go to church three times a week. Well, they went every day. Seven days a week they were in church and serving God and worshiping and learning and witnessing and, and doing all these things. And so there wasn't a lot of business to take care of. There weren't any building decisions to make. There was no building program. There was no, well, are we going to fix a gym floor? Are we going to pay the parking lot decisions to make there? The biggest need was the, the apostles said, we are not able to serve the people like we should. So we need these men these servants who will help minister to the people. This Greek word, dekanos, it's, it's used 31 times in the New Testament. 20 times that it's used, it's translated minister. Eight times it's translated servant. It's only translated to, to the word deacon three times. When God looks for men to serve him, the first thing he looks for is a willing servant. Someone who's willing to give of themselves for someone else. So tonight as we prepare to ordain our first two deacons of New Grace Baptist Church, Brother DJ and Brother Princely, into the ministry of a deacon, I want us to see just for a few minutes what is expected of them. What does the Bible expect of them? What do we expect of them? But more than that, what's expected of us as a church? Well, how are we supposed to help these men? How are we supposed to serve these men? First thing we notice in the book of Acts is, look again in verse number, uh, chapter 6, look at verse number 5. It says, And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, uh, and Porcupus, and Nic- Nic- and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmedius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests, uh, of the priests, were obedient to the faith. So the first thing we notice about these men, the first thing that is expected of them is they are expected, number one, to be servants to the faithful. Servants to the faithful. There's a lot of passages in Scripture, in the book of Acts and in the book of Timothy, that give us kind of the requirements of a deacon. But this passage shows us what deacons are meant to do. Deacons are meant to be servants. 
They are meant to serve the church. I mean, as soon as they ordain these seven men, and they go out and start ministering and start serving the church. The Bible says that the word of God increased. The church grew in great number. More people were getting saved and baptized in the faith. Why? Because these men were willing to serve. They were not ordained or chosen to manage the church. Look again in verse number uh, 2. It says, When the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Why the disciples, why the apostles call these seven men to serve tables? So what are our deacons expected to do? At our fellowship, we're going to sit down and they're going to come and take our order. And serve. No, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that we're expected at fellowships to have the deacons come by and Fill up our, our sweet tea glass. Now, they could, and that'd be a great way to be a servant. But it's not the, the act of filling up our drink or giving us something to eat. Or, it's the act of serving. It's a willingness to say, I'm not here just to, to run the church and to make sure the business is done right or make sure the checkbook balanced. I'm here to minister to you, to serve you, to help you, to do whatever's necessary to help serve the church. The problem arose in the church where many of the widows, they felt that they were being left out of the daily distribution of needs. And the reason wasn't because they weren't important or that no one cared. It was simply there were too many people for the apostles to deal with. So the church chose these seven men to take care of serving these church members. The main purpose of a deacon is to serve the church body. And not just by serving in the church, but by meeting the physical needs of the men and women that God has allowed us to have a part of our church family. It's more than just helping mow the lawn or carry food to someone, though that's a part of it. It is ministering to them. It is caring for them, both physically and spiritually. One of the duties of our deacons here is to help with the spiritual growth of the church. Now, one thing that they're going to do, we've, we've done it in the past, and it's kind of uh, slacked off. We're going to pick this back up. But every deacon here will have a list of people that they are responsible for. A list of people, of church members, that they are to look after. And to make sure that, hey, are they, are they faithful to church? And if they're missing, why are they missing? What's going on in their life that they're not able to be here? What's going on? That's, and they're, they're there to check on them and say, hey, how are you going? Do you need anything? And these are the men that, that if, you, if you have a need, you're going you're gonna to go to them and say, hey, I have a problem. Now, look, I'm not saying don't come to me. Any one of y'all, my phone numbers, y'all can all have it. You all have it. You can all text me, call me, whatever. If you need me, call me. But if you need someone to help move, call the deacons. Amen? <laughs> but, no, seriously, that's what they're for. But uh, if, you, if you have some, and I'm saying, if you need a, a spiritual leader, you need me to pray for you, you're going to the hospital, yes, I want to be involved in that. But if you're like, you know what, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I hurt my back and I can't move, well, I need somebody to help with that. Who am I, what am I supposed to do? That's what deacons are for. That's what these men are for, to help with that. Well, I'm struggling in this area, what do I do? Well, that's what they're for. They are there to help serve. Why? Because as they help serve you and minister to you, that helps your spiritual growth. But they're also here that if you miss, they're the ones that are going to be calling and say, hey, missed you in church this morning. Everything okay? Everything all right? We've got a policy in place. If, if someone misses for two weeks and we don't know what's going on. I know a lot, you know, some of you, you know, you go on like me and Nelly a couple weeks ago, they went on vacation for two weeks. Uh, I under, you know, I'm not going to track. I know where they are. But if they miss and I don't know where they're at. Or they're more importantly, their deacon doesn't know where they're at. It's his responsibility to pay attention to that 
and help with the spiritual growth. It's their responsibility to make sure not only you're being faithful to church and everything's going okay, but hey, you know what? You're stepping out and, and joining some small groups we're going to start beginning. You're more faithful to Wednesday night prayer services. You're, you're, you're getting more involved and growing in the church. And if there's a need in the church, they can come in and say, hey, you know, there's, there's this area and I've been praying. I think God would have you do this. And it is their duty to help minister and help serve and help grow the church body. The best picture of this type of service is seen in Jesus' interaction with his disciples in the upper room. As they gathered to observe the Passover, Jesus took some time and he washed their feet. Now again, I'm not going to make the deacons wash your feet, amen? Uh, I'm going to make them massage their wives' feet, but uh, <laughs> they don't got to wash your feet. But uh, the, the picture here is of someone humbling themselves and serving. See, one of the reasons I'm so thankful for the men, not only that have been chosen, but the ones we have, is sometimes you get a position of a deacon, get somebody that's puffed up. I'm a deacon. I'm, I'm powerful around here. And it's easy for preachers. I'm a preacher. I'm the pastor. I'm the lead pastor. I'm somebody. Amen. Jesus shows us a true servant. This isn't someone that says, I'm a, I'm a great leader and you follow me. There's someone who's willing to say, you have a need. That it may be, may people think it's beneath me, but I'm going to meet that need. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to love them. He served them and he ministered to them. Deacons, you are to be servants to the church of God. You are to be servants and ministers to the men and women, to the flock of God. Here's, here's basically what the job of a deacon is as a shepherd of the church. You know, God Bible calls me the shepherd. I'm, I'm the, of the great shepherd. I'm the under-shepherd under him. So I, Jesus is my shepherd, and I'm supposed to help shepherd the flock of God. Y'all guys, you're, you're the sheepdogs, right? Y'all are helping keep the sheep healthy, protected, safe, growing. You're to help minister to the church. Help with the grace, uh, give God's grace to those people you entrust us with. So we're supposed to, you're to be servants of the faithful. Second thing. Bible tells us you're to be defenders of the faith. Look in chapter number 6 again, verse number 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of them of Sicily and of Asia, and disputing with Stephen, and they were not able to... Resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they sub they sub subdued man uh, which spake, and we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. And he set and set up false witnesses which said, "This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us." And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face and had been the face of an angel. Then said the high priest, "Are these things so?" And he said, "Men and brethren and fathers." Fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham and to the Mesopotamia before we dwelt in Grecian. And you read down through verse number 70 of that say, of chapter number nine, uh, uh, 7 right there, and you, or chapter 60, uh, verse 60, and you see Stephen's, uh, just his steadfast stance for God. These men came upon him and said, hey, here's a guy who's, who's teaching blasphemy, he's teaching false things, and they brought people to lie upon him, and they brought him before the council. Now remember, this is just a few months, or just a month and a half after 
they had done the exact same thing to Jesus and Stephen saw Jesus crucified because he refused to give in and so they bring him up and say, hey, are these things true? Stephen could have very easily said, oh no, I, I didn't say those things. I didn't, mean, I didn't say that, I don't believe that. He could have very easily said, no, that, that's, not, that's not what it is. But he stood fast and he stood for the faith and he defended the faith of God. The very first deacon that was chosen, he didn't stay a deacon for very long, but only because he was killed for his faith. Acts chapter 7, it tells the story of Stephen's powerful message as he preached the gospel to the Jews that were gathered against him. He boldly defended the faith and stood for Jesus. And just like Stephen, there will be times in the church and there will be times outside the church where you as a deacon will have to stand firm and defend the faith of God. You'll be in a position where you have to defend the Word of God and stand for the truth of God's Word. There will be those that, that put tradition over the truth of the Word of God. And when that happens, you are to defend the faith. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, when I'm talking about defending the faith, I'm not saying defend me. Now look, you need to defend me. But, I'm not saying, well, you need to stand behind your preacher. Your preacher's the man. Oh, no. You know what? There may be a time where you have to defend the church from me. That just, I, I, I hope it doesn't ever come to that. And as God's my witness, that's in my hope. But there may be a time I get stupid. And start preaching blasphemy or start doing it. And there'll be a time that you have to defend the flock from me. So you need to stand firm from there. Don't defend me. Don't defend our traditions. Defend the faith of God. Defend the word of God. Defend the worship of God. That means you're going to have to stand firm on God's word and not let anyone or anything pervert it or deviate from it. That's especially true when it comes to the pastor. As ministers of the church, your job is to serve and protect the people of the church. Protect them from false teaching. Protect them from abusive power. As a deacon, you are to be a defender of the faith. As a deacon, the third thing you're supposed to be, an evangelist that shares the faith. Look at Acts chapter 5. Verse 26. <clears throat> then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and, set, and the high priest asked him, saying, Do we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold... That's the wrong verse. <clears throat> it's a 26. I was going to find the 26. Uh, let's try 8. Nope, not 8.26. Yeah, 8.26. I knew it. Acts 8, chapter 20, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go to the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot 
uh, read Esaias the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So here's a story, of course, of Philip. He, in Acts chapter 21, Philip is called an evangelist. Uh, Acts 21.8 says, In the next day they were uh, Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, where they entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven. So the second deacon, deacon named in Scripture was Philip, and he is best known for God using him to get the gospel to the continent of Africa. He's in an incredible revival. He's doing a great job uh, serving God, and God calls him to go out to the desert to meet one man, an Ethiopian eunuch, and witness him and be an evangelist to him and, and give him the gospel. And as a deacon, your duty is to be an evangelist for God, to look for opportunities opportunities to share your faith. Now look, I know some of you are like, I ain't doing that. I, I, ain't, I ain't getting up in somebody's chariot and preaching in the gospel. Sharing your faith, and we've talked about this all the time, it's not just giving them the gospel. It, you know what it can be? Just giving them a track. Inviting them to church. Again, you, you get them here, we'll get them the gospel. Amen? But you are to share your faith. You know what the greatest way, we'll get to this in a minute, the greatest way you can share your faith? Living it out. Walking with God and letting other people know you walk with God. Acts 5, in Acts chapter 8, he leaves a great revival to obey the Lord and go witness to one man and to give the gospel to the one that needed it. As a deacon, you must be willing to follow the leading of God and share your faith with others. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached unto you, which you received on the which you have taken by your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received and passed on to you, as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. You are to share your faith as a deacon, be an evangelist, and spread the gospel of God. Not only should it be servants of the faithful, defenders of the faith, evangelists and shares of faith, fourth thing a deacon is required to be is a standard bearer of the faith. Look again at verse number six, chapter 6, verse number 3. <clears throat> Warfare, brethren, look at a man among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, the qualifications of a deacon are laid out in 1 Timothy 3. We'll read them real quick. It says, Likewise must a deacon be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, what the Bible is telling us here is these standards, being grave and sober and mature and, 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 not double, and not a slanderer and someone who loves God and obeys God. These standards are not to be used just to get the position of a deacon, but they're to be lived out your entire life. God is telling you that you are to be an example to others as they follow God. And the thing is, ladies, it doesn't just apply to the husband, it applies to the wives as well. 
The wives are also to be an example to people as they follow God. So what that means, ladies, support your husband. Pray for him. Help him. Encourage him. Men, live your life so that others will want to imitate your walk with God. That means you're going to have to have a walk with God. You're going to have to read your Bible and pray and serve others and love others. 1 Corinthians 11, 11, 11. Be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Be standard bearers of the faith for others. But not only these men have responsibilities as a church, we have some responsibilities to them as well. So what are the responsibilities we have as a church body for our deacons? Number one, pray for them. Bible says pray without ceasing. Pray for them to have wisdom. Pray for them to be protected from satanic attack. Pray for their families. Pray for their marriages. Pray for them to be protected and strong. Pray for these men that God has given us to help minister to the church of God. We have responsibility to pray for them. Second thing we're supposed to do, support these men. They're not perfect. I know them. Ain't none of them perfect. And that's good, because ain't none of us perfect. Amen? So support these men. You know what that means? That means they're going to make mistakes. They may hurt your feelings. They may seem abrupt with you one day. They may make decisions regarding the direction of the church or the service of the church that you don't agree with. Support them. Pray for them and support them. Whatever they do, support them. These are the men that God has given us to help lead, to help minister, and to help serve in this church. God gave them to us. We are to support them. It is God that gave us these men as a gift to this church. He has called them to be servants, to be defenders, to be evangelists, and to be standard bearers. Pray for them and support them.